Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, I hope it is a fantastic Monday morning. If you're watching this, wherever you're listening to us, we appreciate you making us part of your day. SP3, we now live in a world where Roman Reigns is the longest reigning universal champion in WWE history. We live in a world where John Moxley could, I say could, be making his way back to WWE. What? We live in a world where Lita appears to be the front runner to challenge for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. And most importantly, we live in a world where the Cincinnati Bengals have won a playoff game for the first time in three decades. We're going to talk about all of that. Well, not all of it. We're not going to talk about the Bengals. I just wanted to say that because it's literally the first time I can say it in my cognitive lifetime. It's a damn good weekend. Oh, God, it was a damn good weekend. SP3, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. It, it was a good weekend for me. I mean, I have no no horse in the race that is the NFL playoffs, but I enjoy watching it uh, from time to time. And I, I've been I've been catching up on Karate Kid films because I just realized Peacock had all three of the first films. So I watched that so I could rewatch Cobra Kai. But now I'm here to talk about wrestling. It's been a busy day me talking about wrestling because wrestling news wants to get popping so if you're starting this monday with me it's a lot of news we're about to unpack yeah the the wrestling the 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 wrestling news cycle man it never sleeps it never sleeps. we've had we've had some of the biggest stories in the past year break on a saturday or a sunday and it's like for us it's like can we get one damn day off uh, we did we did hold off this weekend because we wanted to give you guys uh, a, a more of a set schedule uh, with us instead of just saying, oh, well, was there a big show last night? Well, well, well these guys. No, we're going to make it very, very simple for you. If it's 7 a.m. Monday through Thursday, we are on. All right. Which is going to make Monday a very busy show for us, because that means we got anything that happened on SmackDown, Rampage or anything like a Mustafa Ali tweet. We're going to be breaking down on a Monday morning for you guys. So that is our set schedule moving forward here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. Whether you listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, uh, Streaker, uh, Spreaker, excuse me, not Streaker. I don't know what Streaker is. Uh, Spre- <laughs> Spreaker is the other one. Or if you're just listening to this on Believe.com, uh, we do appreciate you. And again, Monday through Thursday, every morning, 7 a.m., our first our episode for that day will be live. And then Friday, you know, that, that's just a wild card day. It's a special day. Could be like what we did last week where we dropped a, a full 14-minute interview with Kofi Kingston. We'll be talking about Kofi coming up here because a lot of people were pissed off about what happened to him on Friday Night SmackDown over the weekend. We'll dive into that when we get into our five count for this episode. But we are going to start with the big news story of the weekend. And that was Mustafa Ali requesting his release from WWE. And as of this recording, as far as we know, that has not been granted. Uh, This was a story that was broken by Mustafa Ali himself. Uh, He sent out this tweet 
basically saying he's got goals, he's got dreams, and he's come to the realization that he is not going to be able to accomplish those in WWE, so he has asked for his walking papers. And anybody who has watched his arc over the last several months, this should come as no surprise. Uh, I'm honestly shocked it didn't come sooner, to be completely honest with you. And SP3, this is this is another one of those that I, I just don't, I, I just don't get what is it that we see? And by what we, I mean, the wrestling media, I mean, wrestling fans, I mean, wrestlers, his colleagues, the producers, but what is it that everybody sees in Mustafa Ali that WWE apparently does not see because they just did not want to use this guy in any way that was going to help get him over and anything that they did start, they ended fairly quickly. And he and would end up back in catering or end up getting beaten by, you know, somebody on a Saudi Arabia show or something like that. This is a guy with too much talent to be sitting on the sidelines. I don't understand how or why it ever had to come to this. Mustafa Ali's time in WWE should be a case study on how many times can you have a missed opportunity? How many times did WWE miss out on just great stories? And I'm not just talking about Mustafa Ali should have been a main eventer. No, I'm just talking about simple stories that they just didn't even pay off on. Like, like Mustafa Ali, when he first comes to the main roster, and he's one of the, the stalwarts of the 205, of 205 Live and the Cruiserweight division, makes it to the finals of the Cruiserweight title tournament at WrestleMania 34 pre-show against Cedric Alexander. He loses that, and even during Cedric's run with the title, he's the highlight of the show with the greatest 205 Live rivalry of all time with Buddy Murphy, yet... Buddy Murphy was Cruiserweight champion. Pac was Cruiserweight champion. Cedric Alexander was Cruiserweight champion. Drew Gulak was Cruiserweight champion. Tony Nese was Cruiserweight champion. Enzo was Cruiserweight champion. Mustafa Ali was never Cruiserweight champion. Go up, called up to the main roster. It's a big win over WWE champion Daddy O'Brien. Pegged to go to WrestleMania 35 and get a, a shot at the WWE championship. Gets an injury against Randy Orton. Gets passed aside, gets replaced by Kofi Kingston. Kofi Mania happens. He returns before WrestleMania. Has a show stealer with Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan. Not on WrestleMania 35 card. Six months of Kofi Kingston with the WWE title. The simple freaking story of using the real life freak accident of him getting injured and getting replaced by Kofi Kingston to use that as a catalyst for him to turn heel and feud with Kofi Kingston so Kofi can have one goddamn feud that is memorable from his title reign besides one that started 10 years ago because Randy Orton called him stupid. Nope, we don't even get that. Doesn't happen. He comes up with a creative idea, the SmackDown Hacker. The reason why we found out that Sonya Deville and Dolph Ziggler were conspiring to keep Mandy Rose and Otis away. One of the best mid-card angles and storylines that we have seen in the past decade. We don't even get a payoff for that. That was supposed to lead to Retribution, which Retribution was dead on arrival. Yet Mustafa Ali made the most of that creative vignettes creative promos he looked like he could be a top star 
That push with Retribution lasted about two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. They feuded with another heel group in the Hurt Business, and the Hurt Business came out of that feud much better than Retribution. He Even the Mansoor storyline, he made the most of that storyline. Like they were, they they were conflicting. You know, Mustafa Ali still bitter from what happened with you know the WWE Championship match. What happened with Retribution? Mansoor is wide-eyed, bushy-tailed rookie, and you know Mustafa Ali tries to take him under the wing, try to teach him to not make the mistakes that he taught. But Mansoor is like, you got to be positive, look at it the right way. Simple story, but it works. It, it was it was getting people interested. People's like, oh, they're gonna get a shot at this tag team titles in Saudi Arabia. Two weeks before Saudi Arabia, they break up out of nowhere. No lead up, no nothing. Just out of nowhere, Mustafa Ali is done with Mansoor, attacks him so we can set up a match at Saudi Arabia. He loses. He cuts a promo to start a new gimmick, the new American gimmick. And according to Sean Rossap and FIFA Select, that whole gimmick. Caused a whole big argument with Visic Man, and he hasn't been seen backstage since. And now we get this tweet saying that he's released. I literally just told you the story of Mustafa Ali in WWE, and it gets me mad the amount of times they blew just simple stories, not even making him the WWE champion, giving him opportunities to stand out because he's a creative guy. If you've seen his interviews with Sportskeeda Wrestling, with, with Alex McCarthy, with various people, what? oh my God, he's got such a creative mind, such an innovator. He tried to evolve his character in different ways, even his early on vignettes where he was filming outside, talking about his story of being a cop in Chicago. Those were all done by him. All yeah. the retribution stuff on social media, all ideas from him. He, this the, is the all, he to his credit, man, to his credit, he did everything that he could to make this retribution crap make sense and get it over. And I guarantee you, had they actually put some of that stuff on television, it might have worked. But WWE didn't want it to work. They didn't. They just wanted some some buzz and clicks and and, and go, hey, look, we're edgy because we're we're throwing stuff through a plate glass window and we're setting trash cans on fire. Like that's all they wanted. They wanted to create chaos. They didn't have any end game. No, they rarely do they ever have an end game with anybody. But Mustafa Ali, to his credit, he was like, yeah, I could tie this in with the hacker story, and at least we can finally get some closure on that. Uh, I could I could say uh, why I took away uh, everybody's names and gave them these new these new code names that suck ass <laughs> like like they're handing out names in 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 uh oh I, I I can't Animal House like it's just like it's John Belushi to say your name's now Flounder your name's now T Bar your name's now Mace your name's now Retaliation or whatever the hell it was Reckoning. He tried to make it make sense, and most of the time it was good, and we never got it on TV. Never. Never. They never put any of this on TV. Him and, and, him and Mansoor would have been a really, really good tag team together, but they, anytime they put him in the ring, they'd have a good match, a relatively short match, and more often than not, they would lose, which would lead to these two bickering, and that was it. That was it. We just had a fatal four-way on SmackDown over the weekend to determine the number one contenders for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions now that the New Day is out of commission with Xavier Woods' injury. Speedy recovery for him. 
we wish. Uh, and they had Mansoor teaming with Cesaro. For the first time ever. You Maybe don't today. even have, you don't even have four tag teams yep. to put in that match. So why did you split Mansoor and Ali when you drafted them to SmackDown as a tag team? They never wrestled in a tag team match on SmackDown, to my to my recollection. Then when um when when Ali gets uh, drafted over to SmackDown, it seemed like they were starting a story with Ricochet, kind of similar to his story with Mansoor, and they didn't even they just completely I dropped for- that. They just I forgot about it until you yeah. just said that. Yeah, they I just, completely they just, forgot about that. It, it literally every single story they gave Mustafa Ali, they randomly dropped out of nowhere. And like, like this is just one where I I don't I don't understand it. There's no flaws really in his game. He's creative. No. He's good on the mic. He's good in the ring. He could be a good. He could. He's played different characters. He's played the the courageous babyface, and he's played the 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 dastardly heel. So he's played both roles. He's done it in the ring. Done it on the mic. Done it as a character. What do you want? And the fact that he has to come out and publicly request his release from WWE tells me that he already did request his release to WWE privately and either hasn't got an answer or got a no. Correct, which is asinine because they let Tony Storm walk and they've let pretty much anybody else who's requested their release walk because it, it is the case of, well, how can we justify keeping this person when we've let so many people go uh, for budgetary reasons. And part of the thing, my thinking here is if they didn't let him go, it's they've realized that they, they really can't afford to cut the roster any more thin than what they already have it right now, which is something we're going to get into coming up here in a little bit. But and they want to use him in some way, shape or form, but it's not anything that Mustafa Ali wants to do. And that goes along with what you were taught. You alluded to earlier that Sean Rossap report from Fightful.com, Fightful Select. Uh, He said uh, several weeks ago, there was a vignette that was filmed for Mustafa Ali, the new America gimmick, which if you haven't seen it, Mustafa Ali went out of his way to post it on his Twitter. And it it is some of the best. I think it would be the best thing that we have seen on WWE TV in a long ass time. This is a this is a character that actually has some substance to it. That is very, very creative. That Mustafa Ali is very, very passionate about. But for one reason or another, WWE decided, hey, we didn't want, we don't want to go that way. We want to give you something else. And this was described in the report by Sean Rossap as something that Mustafa Ali would never agree to. God only knows what that is, because my man SP3 just broke down all the BS that he did agree to do. And was able to turn most of it into gold, even though there wasn't a damn payoff. So I don't know what Vince pinched to him, but clearly it pissed him off. And honestly, it might have just been the straw that broke the camel's back in this kind of situation. Because I don't know how anybody in WWE creative could look at that vignette that Mustafa Ali put together for this new America gimmick and said, nah, we can't use that. Oh, I I, I see why. This, it's Vince McMahon! Vince McMahon! doesn't like anything that is creative that wasn't by him that he had no hand in he automatically is like no 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 that's not what that's not what we're gonna do that that, you took the words out of my mouth the only thing i can come up with is 
it was too creative for WWE creative. Now, starting a feud over the SmackDown Women's Championship with a pie. Now, that's such good shit, brother. That's, that's creative. That's, that's creative to that's, WWE. But, but my old thing is that WWE has, has, yes, they have said, and they even said in the report to Fightful, uh, you know, a higher up in WWE says they've been granting release requests because, you know, it would look kind of silly with all the budget cuts and stuff. But let's not forget that Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, it was reported they requested their release in like freaking July. And they didn't get released until November. Yeah. So so Mustafa Ali hasn't been on TV since November. And I'm just saying, I think that he made that request maybe the end of November, maybe Christmas time. And he was just like, uh, let me put out this tweet. Boom. <laughs> that will yeah. get their attention. And a lot of people, That's going to get people talking. And a lot of people thought that he put out, uh, you know, for he was he was off for paternity leave. Sean Rossap says he requested all of one show off for that. And then he basically took off that one show and they, they don't, we don't need you. We got nothing for you. He wasn't even in Chicago. Wasn't even in Chicago where he is from. Dude, I, I, I you can check out the True Hill Heat Patreon. I went on a whole rant on the fact that AEW, they don't just treat like, you know, see a pup good in Chicago. My dude, they treated your boy Brian Pillman Jr. like he was a, a goddamn hero in Cincinnati. Yeah. Like, like you can just have the person they, from they the hometown come out. They had him main event rampage in Cincinnati. And here's the thing. I guarantee you, if he didn't have Bengals trunks on, nobody would have gave a shit. <laughs> nobody would. And I like Brian Pillman Jr. I do. But man, yeah, no, he ain't he ain't John Moxley. John Moxley is a god in Cincinnati. That makes sense. But at least they did try with Brian Pillman. And at the end of the night, you know, he got he got the rub from John Moxley, and the Cincinnati boys closed out the show by singing at Skyline Time. A probably drunk John Moxley singing at Skyline Time to a sold-out fifth third arena. Yeah, that was good stuff. That is one of the things I have always loved about WWE. Remember when Britt Baker went back to Pittsburgh as you a mean AEW? Huh? Because you mean AEW. You said WWE. WWE hates hates people in their hometown. They right, hate right, right. them. Right. <laughs> AEW. The thing that I love about AEW, excuse me, you'll notice on this show, sometimes I say the other company when I mean the other one. I I How many times have I called you MJF in, in the... <laughs> <laughs> the the two weeks that we've been doing this show. I'll Three letters it. confuse me. Okay. It's the one thing I love about AEW. Britt Baker returned to her hometown as a heel. She was a damn hero. They didn't send her out there and have her just crap on the crowd and say, I'm the only good thing from Pittsburgh. I can't wait to get the hell out of here. MJF. MJF. Who hates everybody? who is the biggest heel in pro wrestling today, goes back to Long Island and gets cheered as a hero. They don't, they don't try to dictate what the crowd response is. They just let the crowd respond how they want and respond accordingly. MJF was treated as a hero in Long Island. CM Punk got to be a, a, a heel for the night. And basically go, this, this is your guy? This is your dude? This is who you're hitching your wagon to? It was so good. 
All of it was so good. Don't treat the audiences like we're dumbasses. I just want WWE to let the hometown guy come out. I'm not even saying, I'm not even saying treat them like the AEW treats hometown heroes. I'm just like saying, let them show up on the goddamn show so I don't have to see social media asking, where's Ali in Chicago? I mean, he's a Chicago independent wrestling legend. He was a goddamn cop in Chicago. Like, take advantage of these things and have them come out, get a big response. If you want to turn them heel, as you usually do, if a heel's from a hometown, you usually have them be like, oh, you guys turned your back on me, even though they just gave him the biggest pop of the night. It just doesn't make sense. But you just do that. But I just want him to come out. But the fact that they didn't do that, the fact that there's issues with his character, they're not allowing him to be as creative as he wants to be. I understand why Mustafa Ali is leaving uh, WWE. He's the type of guy that if you're an AEW, that you know you're going to be like, you know, you can't sign every free agent, every run release from WWE. He's one of the exceptions to the rule with with, with uh, Shane Strickland, with the Keith Lees, with the Johnny Garganos of the world. Mustafa Ali is right there. But honestly, I, I've said it a few times on a couple of things I've done so far. Mustafa Ali in Impact just makes a world of sense. And that's a place where he can shoot up to the top almost immediately, but he doesn't have to because you can insert him in the X division and he can just run out bangers with Chris Bay, Ace Austin, Chris Saban. It doesn't matter who you put the put him in the ring with. He's going to have a banger in the X division. And then in the main event scene, you got Jonah, you got Moose, you got Josh Alexander. Mustafa Ali could become a top guy in Impact Wrestling faster than he can in AEW. Honestly, I want him to not even look at those options for a while. I want him to be on the independent scene. Chicago is striving even more than when he left. So he can go back to freelance wrestling, go to warrior wrestling, which is like an all-star game of Chicago independent wrestling right now. And then around the world, you know, GCW's hotter than ever before with their Hammerstein ballroom show next week. They're going to be having big shows the rest of the year. PWG is back with their legacy and history. So I want to see Mustafa Ali become the king of the indies before he goes to an AEW, an Impact, an MLW, wherever he goes next. And, and that's honestly if he wants to keep wrestling. Um, because he could do anything that guy puts his mind to, you know, from a creative standpoint. Whether he wants to be an actor, whether he wants to be a writer, whether he wants to be a producer somewhere. Hell, if he wants to do motivational speaking, I would listen to that man talk for an hour and a half seminar on literally anything. This man's going to have options if and when he does get his release from WWE. And at this point, you know, by the time you're listening to this, it may have already happened. We don't know. Um, but I hope he gets it. And I hope he gets to do whatever the hell he wants. And if you're one of these, if you're one of these guys who's sitting here listening or girls who's sitting here listening and going, Mustafa, what, what, what are you guys spending 20 minutes talking about Mustafa Ali for? He's not that damn good. Go on his damn Twitter feed. Watch his training videos. Watch that new America promo. And then come back to me and say that he's not that damn good. Please, please. I beg you go and do that. I, I honestly, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm I I'm not going to be impressed by any training on a social media and that promo I thought was really good. I wouldn't say it's the best thing I've seen on WWE television in the past decade, but I didn't say you, decade, I said the last 2 years easily for me. No, nah, not for me. Um but if you want if you like 
a great wrestler, having great wrestling matches, go out of your way. It's probably on YouTube, or you can watch it on WWE Network, Peacock. Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy. No yeah. disqualification from 2018 on 205 Live. The greatest 205 Live match of all time. Blowing off the greatest 205 Live rivalry of all time. That is where I discovered that Mustafa Ali could be a main event player. So if you want to see it for yourself, go out of your way to watch that match. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not going to happen in WWE. I, Like I said, uh, I'll watch that man wrestle anywhere. I really, I really hey. don't. They had great matches in WWE. Run it back on the independent scene. All the independent promotions go out of your way and call up Buddy Murphy. And as soon as he becomes a free agent, Mustafa Ali, and run that match back in GCW, PWG, uh, Warrior Wrestling. I want to see it all over the place. All right, let's dive into the five count. Time to answer the five count. The biggest questions that have come out of the weekend in the world of professional wrestling here on our Monday edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. And we will start with number one, and we're going to stick with the WWE versus AEW theme. WWE had a statement that was released out as uh, part of an article in the Toronto Star. I think it came out on Friday or Saturday. I, I remember seeing people losing their damn minds. Saturday. Saturday. And this quote read, this was from a uh, somebody higher up in the WWE. The quote read, if you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloodied several women in the December 31st event on TNT, it quickly becomes clear that these are very different businesses, WWE. Stated in regards to the match on New Year's Smash episode of AEW Rampage, we had an edgier product in the Attitude Era, and in a 2022 world, we do not believe that type of dangerous and brutal display is appealing to network partners, sponsors, venues, children, or the general public as a whole, end quote. So, WWE, to put it in layman's terms, says, ain't no room for that bloody, gory crap on our television screen. We don't think it appeals to today's audience. And then the internet lost their damn minds, calling them calling WWE hypocrites, calling them idiots, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm sitting here going, me personally, I'm going, I, I guys, I, I don't, I don't know if it's this is that big of a deal. So SP3, I'll ask you the first question: Is WWE's criticism of the street fight on AEW Rampage a big deal? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, it is, because there's precedent that says it is. Last time, WWE had a criticism of AEW directly in that's very comparable to this one was when they compla complained about AEW having these matches that were all blood and guts. And what did AEW do from there? They created a whole match concept and a special for AEW Dynamite called Blood and Guts. Sold out new work before her whole pandemic shut that down. But then they did Blood and Guts, had Chris Jericho fall off a cage into some cardboard. But it is now a staple in AEW. So although I know a lot of a lot of the, you know, the skeptical fans want to just say, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh. Anytime WWE criticize AEW, they are giving, giving, you know, credence and credibility to AEW. That type of acknowledgement is goes farther than them saying, than Sami Zayn saying AEW on Raw or Triple H saying pissant about uh, calling AEW a pissant company or any of the million times AEW mentions, mentions WWE on their television. When you have a higher up, 
someone in management making a criticism directly on AEW, it just fans the flames of the tribalism that already goes on and that is instilled in all these fans. So despite a lot of us not wanting this to be a big deal, it's a very big deal because it has resulted into things for either company and it has resulted in even more tribalism among the fans. I think the fans are making this a big deal, as you said, because this 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 tribalism is running about as rampant as the, the Omicron variant is right now. Like, but for me personally, this isn't anything. This is this is literally nothing. This is literally a, a guy saying something that we already know. This is somebody higher up in WWE stating a difference in creative philosophy. It's not a difference in creative philosophy because if you were keeping that same energy, Brock Lesnar would have never split open Randy Orton back in 2016. They would keep, they would always cut away from any type of accidental quote unquote blood they do. They don't. They focus in on that, and that creates some of their better moments. They have capitalized on that gory, bloody stuff. So that is another reason why there, it's a big deal when they no, criticize there's, there's a AEW. There's a line. There is a line. You can't have professional wrestling without some blood. All right? You, 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 you just can't. But that's what WWE did for almost a decade. I understand that, but they haven't been doing that stuff anymore. They have been PG or all the way up to the line of about PG-13 for the, since John Cena was the main guy running around in the freaking company, all right? From like 2000, what, eight, nine-ish on, they will go up to that line, but they won't cross it. I'm reading into this quote. It's talking about they AEW have, they crossing have, that they line. Have. They have a, f- a few times, like a few with times. That, a but few. I'm saying, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is, WWE makes this a bigger deal by criticizing AEW for something that they have done before because they don't acknowledge that they've done it before. They act like they know. They act like we. They have the Men in Black pen, and everybody needs to forget all the times that they have done it and they've done it a few times in the last five years so that's why that's wwe making it a big deal i'm not putting this one on the fans the fans is always going to keep this same energy wwe is the only one in this situation that ain't i again i'm telling you i think there is a line and i understand what the guy is talking about because here's the thing the 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 lot the quote in here that stands out to me Appealing to the first words out of this dude's mouth or girl, I don't know who said it. Network partners. That tells me, by the way, if Fox or USA wanted this gory stuff on their TV screens, it would be on there. Well, Fox would never want that. Fox wouldn't want that, but USA might, but they apparently don't. So that's the first thing, first and foremost. If if WWE is right in this case. It's not appealing to their network partners so they don't put it on television. So that they're stating a factual statement there. And as far as audience is concerned, yeah, I'll be honest. There are sometimes it is very difficult for me to watch an AEW match because they do cross a line that I'm not comfortable with watching as a fan, as a a as an a, a analyst, whatever you want to call it. There are some matches that are when they start pulling out, you know, the 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 barbed wire beds and and this that and the other and they're shattering light tubes and this. There are certain parts 
Like when, when the Crimson Mask was going on the bunny, I found that very difficult to watch for me. That is just a, a line that, that got crossed for me. So that amount of gore, it, it's, far, it's an amount situation here. There is a line, and there are some parts, as me, as a fan, as, a, as an analyst, when I watch, I go, okay, that's a little much for me. So again, that is a factual statement. There are some people, a portion of the audience out there, who that kind of stuff is not for. All right, that kind of mutil mutilation to that level, it is not for some people out there, but it is for other people. And that, again, is why they are sitting here saying, look, we're on, we, we have two completely different products. We have two different philosophies. That is all that this guy's, all he's saying is stating facts. And then I think people just kind of run and, and go with it. To me, this is not that big of a deal. It, it, it's really not. It's just the guy stating, stating something that we've already known because WWE, with Vince McMahon having said the blood and guts thing before, how is any of this new information? People just love to lose their minds over stuff and take no, it to the... To it's the, WWE. They know what they are doing. They know what we are, they are doing. I can't just always blame the fans. There are situations where I will say the fans are making a, bi a bigger deal out of this than they need to. When WWE are fanning the flames of tribalism, I can't put it on the fans. I can't. All of this said, there's still an opportunity that we could get WWE and AEW working with one another in the near future. Possibly, maybe. If you read between the lines, if you watch SmackDown this week, there were some heavy hints here. So, Sid, I'm going to go ahead and, and put question two up there because this one's more directed at me. And this, this stems off of what we talked about last week, which was a, a great debate between us about if they could pull off, and this is off of a report off of WrestleVotes on Twitter, that WWE is trying to pull in a surprise forbidden door entrant, maybe two, to the, to the men's Royal Rumble this year. I said who I thought it should have been or who I would choose with sound logic, mind you. And I said MJF. And then you put your Vince hat on like you always do and said, well, it's probably going to be somebody that he knows and he trusts. And, and you said John Moxley, Daniel Bryan. Somebody love that nature. So I'll, and then I'll, I had the epiphany of who it's going to be, for real. So I'll, I'll, I'll pass, question, and, I'll pass and, question two on to you now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you missed uh, that episode of Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast, I revealed to the world that D'Lo Brown will be the unexpected uh, <laughs> Forbidden Door entrant in the Royal Rumble. I think, I think if we all expect it to be D'Lo Brown, I think we either will be like, oh, man, SB3 was right, or... We'll be surprised and be happy that it's above those expectations. So I think if we all have the expectation that is D'Lo Brown, that is the safest. But, Rick, are you buying that John Moxley is the likely forbidden door entry into the Men's Royal Rumble? Because I said, if it's somebody from AEW, this just made sense because of who's in the Universal Championship match. And then WWE was like, you know what, Sid? You know what? We're going to put it right on screen and prove you right that this is, if it's going to be anyone from AEW, that's the person that makes the most sense. Yeah, you could bring in Chris Jericho, but there's nothing that can tie him in that will make people believe he will win. And you can't have Brian Danielson come in because you're going to let him ruin your WrestleMania plans for a third time when he's not under contract with you? That's just dumb. 
I did a whole list on possible people to be this forbidden door entrant over on WrestleTalk.com. You can check it out right now. And I didn't put Brian Danielson, and people tore me apart for not putting Brian Danielson because I am thinking for WWE's benefit. This man has ruined your WrestleMania plans twice. When he was under contract, don't let him do it when he's not. So out of all the options from AEW, John Moxley makes the most sense because you got Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins in the Universal title match. They, they could play it up like he could win. I don't think he would win, even if he is the Forbidden Door entrant. But there is a realistic option that WWE can play on the fans' thoughts of them wanting to do a chill triple threat or even Moxley versus Roman at WrestleMania that he could win. He's the best option from AEW. I am buying that John Moxley is the most likely person to be involved at the Royal Rumble. And I'm saying this because John Moxley, at least we know now, has booked an appearance, a book to show. He has a match coming up, GCW, I do believe. Uh, his, his first appearance since he entered rehab. So that was, that was the big hang-up for me was, where's his health at right now? Where, where is he at from a physical, mental standpoint? Where is he? And as of this recording last week, we hadn't heard anything. So now he has been booked into at least one match, which means he's coming back in the near future to be back in the ring. Possibly. I'll be there live. GC, the world on GCW in New York City at the Hammerstein Ballroom, January 23rd, live on pay-per-view, their first ever pay-per-view. And it's going to be main evented by John Moxley defending the GCW World Championship what, what against January 23rd, 23rd. 23rd. Okay. Yes. Versus so six, days, six days before the Royal Rumble. New York's own homicide in Hammerstein Ballroom. So that's why Moxie about to make history, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to be on the first ever GCW pay-per-view on Sunday. He's going to return to AEW in his home state of Ohio in Cleveland at Beach Break. And then he's going to show up at the Royal Rumble. And he's going to win. He's going to win to, <laughs> to finally give us the Shield triple threat. Yo, tell me anyone would have a better week than John Moxley nobody in would. 2022 nobody, nobody would. if that uh, happened. Nobody would, but I'm not buying for a damn second that we, we're, we're going to get a Shield triple threat over Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It ain't happening no. in a million years. No. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to call your jest for what it is. But that said, there's more evidence here. So John Moxley's health, hang up, no more. Obviously, he's returning to action. So he could very well conceivably physically be there. Uh, he's in the right place to be there. But then there was the subtle evidence of what we saw on SmackDown this week, which was playing up, as WWE loves to do, with the history between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns as we get set up for this matchup at the Royal Rumble between these two for the Universal Championship. And they're showing a lot of footage. They're showing a lot of footage of 10 years ago, Sid, the, the Shield making their damn debut. That makes me feel old as hell. Uh, <laughs> and usually in the past, in the past two, three years since John Moxley left WWE, he gets cut out of a lot of it. Like he gets cut out, like noticeably left on the cutting room floor edited out, cropped out of shots. They didn't do none of that. They didn't do none of that on Friday. There was 
There is more John Moxley on SmackDown than we've seen on AEW in the last two months. All right. Like he was front and center almost all over the place. And they are really building up this, this past Shield brothers. Oh, you've never been able to do this alone. You've never been able to do this alone. And we know WWE loves to throw the shield in our face anytime they can because they're like, hey, look at this one really cool thing that we created 10 years ago. We haven't recreated anything else this cool in 10 years, but here's the shield, guys. Here you go. You love it, don't you? They just love shoving that in our face. That makes me, all of that, believe if they could get it done, if they could get Tony Khan to sign off, and if they could get John to come back, which I think he would for a one-off with, with Roman and Seth, I think he would agree to do that. I see him at the Royal Rumble with Seth and Roman. Do I buy no, him being in the Royal Rumble match? No. No because chance at hell. No. Anything to do with the Royal Rumble match. Now, if, if Seth wins that match and Roman enters the Royal Rumble match, then we got something to talk about here. But There's I don't no see... chance in hell that John Moxley is on the Royal Rumble just to interfere in a match and not be in the men's Royal Rumble when WWE needs superstars for the men's Royal Rumble. That makes no but sense. But it's so WWE, isn't it? It's no, so that's WWE. That's, for them that's to have Moxley. Those... Look, for, the, for, for Seth Rollins to come out here and freaking say that Roman never does anything on his own, which, by the way, if you go back and look at Seth Path, Seth's past, he never does anything on his damn own either. So that was a lot for him to say right there. For Seth to come out here and say, you never do anything by yourself. To con Roman into doing this match and saying, I'm going to beat your ass by himself. And then Seth calls up his buddy, John, to come in here and stick Roman and help him win. No. That doesn't make a, that doesn't make sense. That makes Roman makes, a baby put face. Put your damn Vince hat on. No, it doesn't that make does sense. Make I am sense. literally. I always wear my Vince hat on. Vince would have would have had more overt teases to to Ambrose in the promo between Seth and Roman if that was even the thought of the foresight. We got two more weeks. We're not gonna get that. All we're gonna get is him in video package. That's the most they will do. There was more overt teases to Becky Lynch interfering in this match than Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose. John Moxley will not be on the Royal Rumble just to interfere in the match and then not be in the Rumble match. It makes more sense for him to interfere in the match and then to be in the Rumble match because when he's introduced, they can say he just cost Roman Reigns the Universal Championship and now he's going to get a shot and that creates the Shield triple threat. It that, that whole scenario you just said made no sense when you said he shows up at the Rumble and doesn't show up in the match. It makes unless, sense if you unless. say he does both. Unless you tie it into that. But what I'm saying is you're not going to get just John Moxley showing up in the Royal Rumble because it has nothing to do with Seth and Roman. And if he comes back, it's going to be involved with Seth and Roman. So right now, until right up until that moment that what you said, that scenario plays out where maybe he gets involved with the match and then enters the Royal Rumble until that happens, until there is a reason for him to be in the Royal Rumble that ties into Roman and Seth. I'm not buying him being in the Royal Rumble. I'm just not. You literally, not you literally have two Rumble matches. One yes. of the Rumble matches is going to happen in the middle of the show. Yeah. Seth and Romans is happen, happening before the second Rumble. You just make the men's Royal Rumble first. And then you do. You, like well, I, said, that, I said, I Will said, on that, the that means I you're said, probably, that means you're probably main eventing with the women's Royal Rumble. Would they do yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, they would. 
Especially if it's someone, if it's someone like Bailey or Bianca who didn't yep. win in the main event last year, yep. then yeah, they would do that. They would definitely do that. And all you have to do is have is that either have Moxley win and then have a backstage segment with the Shield members, and that's the tease right there. Or you do the backstage segment before he shows up in the Rumble match. Like I, I say that there is zero chance of a scenario that John Moxley is in is at, on the Royal Rumble show and not in the Men's Royal Rumble. There's no scenario. Same situation on the reverse side. There's no way that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble and not be involved with Roman and Seth. I told I told you, you how he would be in the Rumble. You literally have not made sense of him showing up in the in the Rollins Roman match without being in the Men's Royal Rumble. While I have made sense of him being in the Men's Royal Rumble and still having the tease with the Shield members without getting involved in the match. You literally haven't done the other way around but we don't have much time and we got three more counts to get to. <laughs> well, let's stick right there with the universal champion, Roman Reigns, uh, who now is officially the longest reigning universal champion of all time. It seems as though he has a date uh, with destiny with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania that what we all believe is going to be night two main event in Dallas, April 3rd, but we still have a problem. We still have, champion v champion at this moment in time and we have a royal rumble winner and we've talked about this before what the hell is going on and now wwe is making a really big deal about how roman reigns is the longest reigning universal champion they're pulling in seth rollins they're doing all the we know wwe they they, they put in these subtle little hints when they're about to take a title off of somebody usually they start losing matches but with Roman Reigns, I don't think they're going to start to do that. So number three, do we believe that Roman Reigns' time as universal champion is coming to an end? Yes, it's coming to an end at the Royal Rumble. Two things make me feel that whatever Uncle Dave Meltzer, or as I like to usually call him, drunk Uncle Dave, <laughs> dud is his initials. Um, whenever he comes out with his WrestleMania plans report, I would say over the last decade, nine times out of ten, they're usually right. And the scenario that he has put out on the Wrestling Observer Newsletter this week is that, yes, we're getting Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE title, and then Seth Rollins as Universal Champion versus the winner of the Royal Rumble. And the way WWE has pushed this Seth-Roman feud on SmackDown this week, as well as combined with the way they have pushed Roman Reigns exceeding the number of days as Universal Champion. They did what they wanted to do with this reign. They wanted him to break the record. Yep. That's it. Whenever WWE pushes a, pushes the number of days a champion has been a champion, it's usually about the time they're about to end it. When what we was started it? One day? One day after the new day? Broke the longest... Yep stream as, as tag team champions i was, was going to name that one when they started making a big deal of cm punk exceeding 400 days you knew it was about to be over when brock hit 500 days on his universal title reign you knew it was about to be over because they were talking about oh he's about to hit 500 days and you were like man they talking about it a little too much i think this yeah. is about to be over whenever they do that they telegraph they're about to end this long title reign and it feels like it's time and Roman, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, they have this history like Seth brought up where Seth 
wins the big matches against Roman. So it follows on with a long-term storyline, which they can come back to when Roman does once again become a babyface. You could have a heel Seth Rollins as champion, and Roman can finally beat him for the title. So it sets up something long-term for them as well, which they don't usually do. So, hey. Correct. Uh, Yeah, I I think this was pretty much a a slam dunk. I think this was them going, look, we... they're trying to make up for split second decisions, which all happened to WWE day one, right? They Roman Reigns tested positive for COVID-19 crap. Well, now we got to put Brock Lesnar in the, in the WWE title matches and make good to the fans who are expecting to see Brock Lesnar on this show. Well, crap, we can't have Brock Lesnar lose uh, this match. So let's go ahead and just have Brock win the damn thing. And it's like, Oh, well, well crap. Now, now we can't do Roman and Brock is both champions. We have Roman. Well, we were going to put the title on Seth, so yeah, this is all one big make good. This is them. This is them trying to to clean up split second decisions that they made for shock value, basically, and as they made as a make good to the WWE fans for day one because they didn't get Roman versus Brock. We were probably going to get Roman versus Brock at WrestleMania any damn way. So yeah, this is them setting I, it up. So we also get a universal or yes, a universal title match on the card. They're just going to do the old switcheroo, put the title on Seth. Somebody's getting involved in this damn match. Whether it's John Moxley, whether it's Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar makes more sense for a, from the WWE storyline standpoint. Somebody's costing Roman Reigns this damn title because there's no way they're having him lose it clean. No way. No. 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 Uh yeah, I mean, all of those things, it just it just makes sense for this to be the end of uh Roman's run here. But I just don't like how they very much have uh telegraphed it. But this does set up something that we both want. Something that a lot of the fans want. Seth Rollins at Universal Champion versus the Royal Rumble winner. It makes me feel like it's going to be Big E. Should be. Should be. I said as much earlier on this program. Last week, the week before. I think I've said it multiple times uh, on this program. Which, by the way, if you're listening, we have all of them up on the YouTube channel. We have all of them up on our Believe uh, page on uh, Believe.com. So just look Believe in pro wrestling podcast search they're all there they're all really good shows we appreciate you listening um one title picture that is not nearly as clear right now is the smackdown uh women's championship picture um because let's just face it charlotte flair doesn't have any opponents right now they're her their last opponent they had for the creative was so bad she quit the company um so and sasha banks is hurt (laughs) might be out for Six weeks, six, eight weeks is going to be really close uh, to WrestleMania. If Sasha's ready to go, you got Bailey on the shelf. You got Asuka on the shelf. So now we got Lita, <laughs> one of the announced entrants into the Royal Rumble, showing up on SmackDown saying, look, she wants one more run. She feels like she's got it in her. She damn sure looks like she's got it in her. That woman does not age at all. Now. Her and Charlotte, you could have told me they were the same age, and I would believe you. And that is not a knock on Charlotte. It's not. So don't take my words the wrong way, ladies and gentlemen. That is not a knock on Charlotte. That is a compliment to the lovely Lita. Don't, don't give me your neck, neck pulling crap. But there was also the report that this was a, a, uh, a very last-minute decision to, to book Lita to come in here on SmackDown and, and have a segment with Charlotte. Not a lot of women's wrestling uh, that we saw on SmackDown uh, this week. As a matter of fact, a 3.17 seven seconds, seven seconds yeah, yeah. Uh, of wrestling that we saw on this show. 
So number four, what is more likely Lita prepping for one more big run with WWE or was she simply called in to help a suddenly thin roster on Friday night SmackDown? To answer the question correctly, the more likely scenario is the latter. She was called in to help a suddenly thin roster for WWE. Like you just said, the SmackDown women's division is bare bones, to say the least. So it's not surprising. And then the people that they do have, they don't really trust. Like they trust Natalia. They trust Charlotte. But that's a match that they have completely exhausted to the point of no return. So those are the only two women that I could legitimately say WWE trust on the entire SmackDown roster. They don't trust Shayna Baszler. They don't trust Naomi. They trust they trust Sonya Deville to do this this character and to talk. They don't they haven't been trusting her to get back in the ring much lately. Um but yeah, I would say those two so you bring in someone like Alita. I saw that whole segment between Lita and Charlotte Flair, and I was like, I wouldn't mind that as the SmackDown Women's Championship match because Lita does. Lita doesn't need to be in the Rumble very long. I love Charlotte Flair being in the Rumble because it automatically sets up her match for WrestleMania. Yes. The person that wins the Royal Rumble doesn't have to be the same person that versus Charlotte because that person could be set up by just eliminating Charlotte from the match. So. Lita eliminating Charlotte to set up a dream match between two of the greatest women to ever step foot in a WWE ring. I'm for it. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, I am, I hope the answer to the question is yes, Lita's preparing for one more run. I hope that is the answer because I'm, I'm with you. You could even forget the championship. You could draw on the history of the fact that Charlotte Flair retired her best friend in Trish Stratus. Was she brought up? Yeah. Yeah. Was she did bring up? You could play on that. You could play on that. You could have Charlotte retire them both. You could have her that be the angle from Charlotte's standpoint. But here's the indictment on WWE creative right now. How bad is it that the two best options with Sasha on the shelf, with Bailey on the shelf, and with Asuka on the shelf, the two best options for Charlotte at WrestleMania at this point are a WWE Hall of Famer who has wrestled a handful of matches in the last decade or Mickey James, who is somebody that you let go from the company last year and is the reigning impact knockouts world champion. I'll be honest after this week's SmackDown, I'm even more sure this is just a one-off. So Mickey James done fell down that ladder for me. She done fell down. I love Mickey. I've interviewed her. I'm one of our biggest fans. I think she's one of the greatest women's performers of all time. The fact that we didn't go even just two weeks with them mentioning Impact Wrestling or mentioning Mickey in the Royal Rumble concerns me that this is just a one-off. So I don't think Mickey's the second best, the second most likely option. I think it's more likely they they go they fall they fall backwards into Naomi than we get Mickey James versus Charlotte. Yeah, that, that seems to be something that they have on the back burner. Uh, Naomi and Charlotte, they are going to wrestle again next week. We know Sonya's going to get involved. I still think it's going to be Sonya and Naomi in some kind of a match on night one of WrestleMania. I think that's, they're, they're really trying to stretch this bitch out that long, which, what, they started feuding around in August, Summer, in August SummerSlam time. They're going to try and stretch that all the way to WrestleMania. I mean, I mean, I mean, they're, they're, they're running out of ideas. They made a whole angle about a thermostat and Sonya taking off her jacket 
only for Naomi not to beat her senseless when she, she took off the jacket. Yeah, that 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 whole thing was dumb. She should have just busted through the door and started beating her ass, and then Adam Adam Pierce could have pulled her off. It's not why hard. Do need, why do we need like fifteen minutes of backstage segments to set up the most likely scenario, the most likely payoff for it, and we don't even get it? Why? I don't know. All I will say is I hope the answer to the question is number one, Lita is prepping for one more run because I would be all for that. I would love to see her in a WrestleMania match. Believe this or not. I had to look it up myself. She's only had one WrestleMania match in her entire Hall of Fame career. It was a triple threat match in 2002. Yep. She's had one WrestleMania match. I would love it if she got another one. I don't think she's going to get it, but sign me up for that. But SmackDown does have a problem. Your McIntyre's hurt. Xavier Woods is hurt. Sasha Banks is hurt. Tony Storm quit. They got some depth issues on SmackDown right now. I would almost look at, and I'm I'm honest here, I would look at sending Bianca and the Street Profits back over. That helps two huge problems that you have. If it's not going to be Becky and Bianca at WrestleMania, hell, you could do you could do Lita and Becky. I, I want I want Bianca versus Charlotte more than I want Bianca versus Becky. I'm we've sorry. seen it. We've seen it three times already. We've seen it enough, and we they have never like they never showed us that they could have like the type of WrestleMania match that we got last year, but Bianca and Sasha, even, even the one, the, I remember the one raw match. I think it was like, they had a long match for the, for the raw women's championship, uh, Charlotte and Bianca. They show, and that, that had a, a awful finish, yeah. but they showed more there than any other matches I've seen between Bianca and Becky. The closest Bianca and Becky came to great was that extreme rules in a match that Sasha Banks came in and made a no contest. So, yeah. Correct. Uh, I would I would agree with you as far as in ring. Yes, that match with Charlotte was great, and it made me want another one. Get the Street Profits and Bianca on SmackDown. That helps you with star power. It helps your tag team division. As we saw, without the New Day, we had a fatal four-way to determine the number one contender, which I appreciate, but you didn't have four actual tag teams in there. And, by the way, th- everybody was asking the question, why the hell did you have the Viking Raiders lose last week to Corbin and Mad Cat Moss if they were going to be the number one contenders this week? Because they weren't. They weren't going to be the number one contenders. They were probably going to run back Usos and New Day again at Royal Rumble, but Xavier Woods got hurt and they didn't have the option. So they had to go with literally the only other babyface tag team they have on the entire roster in the Viking Raiders. That's my working theory. anyway. Honestly, I wouldn't. I just thought about it. I would probably go with Bianca. I understand why you say Bianca and the Street Profits, but I'm sorry. WWE has exhausted Street Profits versus the Usos. I'd never want to see it again. Um, I, I think their matches are always good. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I love a good match. I am someone that loves a good match. But when you give me a good match over and over again in a short amount of time, I'm like, there's no desire in me to see the match anymore. And that's how I feel about Street Profits and the Usos. However, Bianca Belair, there's potential there, but I understand you want to keep them together. Yeah. Send over Liv Morgan and RK Bro. RK Bro broke up. They, I mean, RK Bro lost the tag title, so they can move to another. Yeah, another... but you know we're getting Orton and and Riddle at Mania. That can be a SmackDown match. At least give at least give them a few months where they can have a few matches with the Usos. They're yeah. the only fresh option out of the raw tag team division because I just real I thought about the raw tag team division. All these teams have versed the Usos a hundred times. So 
Part of that's because the Usos have been around for forever. Just no, yeah. I'm talking. About, I'm talking about they versed the Usos a hundred times in the past like four months. The Mysterios, Street Profits. How many times have we seen them versus the Usos? Hey, so there's on. always the upstart team of Baron Corbin and Madcap Moss, which brings me to number five. We saw Madcap Moss beat. Former WWE champion Kofi Kingston clean as a sheet on SmackDown this week. Another thing that caused the wrestling universe to lose their damn minds very quickly because we're running out of time. Are you just as upset as the IWC for Madcap beating Kofi clean on SmackDown? False. Only because being upset means that I have any type of emotion to anything Madcap Moss does. I It's literally... It's literally no noise and a picture on my TV whenever Mad Cat Moss is on my television. I have no care enough to be upset or mad that he beat a former WWE champion in Kofi Kingston. So, false. I'm going to go with false as well um, because I understand the thinking behind it. WWE clearly sees something in him and they are they are building him. They are pushing him. Character-wise, he sucks. He, he's yeah. just not entertaining. He's a waste of time on my TV screen. I'm not invested in him at all. He looks like a jackass uh, wearing suspenders and a belt and short shorts, and it, it, he irritates the hell out of me. As an, in, as, a, as an athlete, the guy looks incredible. In the ring, he gets better every week, and his booking has actually been pretty damn good because he got a pay-per-view match with Drew McIntyre that he took Drew to the wire on, and now he beats Kofi Kingston clean. But let's also not act like, and I love Kofi, did an interview with him. It's up right now on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. I talk to him again tomorrow because that guy is genuinely very entertaining and very fun and very open and honest to talk with. I love that man. Kofi Kingston's not on the same kind of run or the same kind of level he was when he was the WWE champion. He's just not right now. And that's just, that's just a fact. So Mad Cat Moss beating Kofi Kingston, it's a nice feather in his cap, but let's not act like he beat 2019 Kofi Kingston because unfortunately he didn't. Now, 2022 Kofi Kingston could very easily be 2019 Kofi if they booked him that way, but he ain't getting booked that way. So I'm not going to get too entirely upset about it. And I'm not going to fault WWE for trying to build up somebody new, even if it's somebody that annoys the hell out of me. We really do appreciate you guys who are uh, tuning in to the podcast who stayed with us for the whole hour and two minutes. We do try to keep these things to 45, but this Monday one might end up being our, our long in-depth conversation, especially he, if so much stuff happens over the weekend. He talks too much people and I'm disappointed in him. I talk too much. I'm disappointed you in him. You on for five minutes about Mustafa Ali's entire story. It's disappointed entire in him. Story. That was five, he, 10 minutes. Run the tape back. He had the most obvious analogy in front of him, and he missed it. Put a feather in his madcap. Come on, man. Come on. That's why I was shaking my head. I was like, how you missed that good, that good, uh, that good analogy just sitting you right in the face? And usually I'm good with puns. That Damn. Damn. I'm pissed off at myself. Disappointed in myself, to be honest with you. It's okay. It's okay. We got we got we got a few more podcasts. They can check us out tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. when we're gonna be talking about Monday Night Raw. And I'll probably be as upset as I got talking about Mustafa <laughs> Ali asking for his release from WWE.
Join us tomorrow, won't you? On the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.